When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, and I'm Ken Napsock here by myself for a look at Season 2, Episode 5, The Ghosts. Of Harrenhal. This, this is a fun episode to look back. A lot of things that you can point to and go, oh, oh, that might mean something. But also just a good episode by itself. Uh, so that is why, uh, you know, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this rewatch. Thanks to all listening uh, in on the podcast and all watching on YouTube as well. Like I said, just me. So you just get my face. Just hanging out, hanging out. It's been a long day. I just noticed as I'm, as I'm recording this, I think I got, I got some pizza on my shirt. I, I feel like Robert Rathian. We're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. It's been that type of day. Hours upon hours of Mandalorian discussion, which is fun. Fun. But uh, Game of Thrones is still very much in my heart, as is this episode. This has got some, uh, this has got some stuff that I think is talked about. A lot. Uh, Tywin and Arya, we got some of the great stuff there. We got the quote of quotes from Marjorie Tyrell. We meet the half-hand, and John, un, unbeknownst to him and unbeknownst to us, takes a, a fateful step into a, a next chapter. Uh, Danny's learning important things in the city of Carth, the greatest city that ever was and ever will be. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'd say it's important. Renly dying, which uh, sets uh, Brienne on her path and kind of sets a lot of things in motion. Episode originally aired April 29, 2012. The director, David Petrarca, uh, Petrarca, Petrarca. Uh, he uh, not talked about in the in the pantheon of Game of Thrones directors. And I, I say that a, a, lot, a lot a lot of the directors in the first few seasons, you just forget some of the names. Later on, Sapochnik and the crew come in and kind of uh, get headlines as, as the big-time directors, as uh, Neil Marshall. Um and they should, and then David Nutter and the whole team. But a lot of people have uh, directed episodes of Game of Thrones, and and I think this one has some great moments. And and there's some 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 moments where you know I the Renly the death of Renly was uh, is is important, and I, I've seen and read some criticism where maybe the death and the direction of that scene doesn't match the moment. The death came out of nowhere, uh, you know. That, but that's also this is early on. A lot of those critiques and criticisms and stuff, those reviews come in early on while we're watching this show. And now with a little bit of hindsight, I think the Renly death fits in with uh, the other deaths here. And for me, just uh, sad to see Renly go. I think, I think as a Stannis, a Stannis Baratheon fan that I am, the Iron Throne was absolutely his by right. Uh, I believe that. I get behind that cause. I think Renly would have been a very compelling king, a very warm king, a very uh, a king that was supported. We never know. Renly, we hardly knew you. Writers of this episode, Benioff and Weiss, and photographer Martin Kenzie, 
Editing done by Katie Weiland. So, yeah, that's kind of the big thing in the overall look of this episode is Renly's death is is one of those, to me, uh, signifiers of the old the season one. What we kind of were drawn into is starting to get peeled away, and, and that kind of spend, uh, spins stories out and characters out and and into uh, bigger things bolder things more important things and and we have to let go of some of these characters as sad as it was to see renly go uh geth and anthony uh, just uh, i think did a great job as, as renly so that's kind of uh, an overall look and again we we are we are out and about uh all over the map this is one of those episodes that, that really goes to most of the places in Game of Thrones, I don't think we don't send to my memory. I don't think we. I don't think we spend too much time with Rob Stark or none at all in this episode. We don't even spend a ton of time with Tyrion. We get, but we get some great stuff with the wildfire, uh, wildfire there as well. So let's dive in. We always love looking at themes and lessons in a show. Who often some of the writers and the creators don't like playing around with those themes. They say those those don't really exist, and I argue that they're there. They can't help but be there. If it's not the themes, though, what this show does also give us is a lot of valuable lessons, big questions, and you don't always have the answers. We love playing what-ifs in Game of Thrones, and the reason is, I think, is the show just brings up a lot of, there's a lot of points where things go in different directions, and the big what-ifs uh, just kind of linger over your head. I, I think there's a, there's a big what-if with Daenerys Targaryen to me in this episode with Zaro, Zoan Doxus, or Duxos, as some people will occasionally call him. I, I, at any point, do I believe that I expect Danny to accept his offer of marriage and uh, head on out to conquer the world with him at her side? Question mark. No, I don't think so. But in watching it tonight, now you know we know. I, I, I we know what's really in that vault he knows but what would he have done that's a bigger what if what what if she had accepted it and zaro's like oh great cool why don't you step out and i'll get some i'll get some of the gold out of there and uh, we'll, uh, we'll work it out we'll get married and we'll be fine uh you know then uh, then his the jig would have been up with him uh, so as far as some of the themes and lessons, there is a, a big thing to me of uh, staying alive for your goals. Uh, better to live to fight another day. Better to live to fight for another uh, cause. A brand the Tyrells are faced with that. Uh, they all want vengeance. Vengeance comes up a lot. It comes up a lot in Game of Thrones, but it comes up a lot in this episode following the death of Renly and the murder of Renly. Let's 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 call it what it is, right? And it's interesting to me, there's a, there's a key point, because I'm focusing on it. Um, Bran wants to avenge Renly. She wants vengeance. She's going to get revenge. All those kind of strong words, and it's on Stannis. Uh, definitely, uh, we, we got uh, uh, Finn Jones doing such a great job as Loras Tyrell. Heartbroken, and I know in the books it was he was a he was in more of a rage, and it was also you know if we try not to do the the book to show comparison here, we're trying to go back and watch the show as the show, but I think uh, you know Loris is it chose to play a little more contained, and some people didn't like that, but uh, you know it did. again it's going to read different on on the on the TV screen, and I I think his internalized rage and 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 trying to move forward and and, and needing needing his sister to push him forward is. I, I like how that plays for me, but he wants vengeance. He wants justice. Uh, bah, but that's the word. I just used it, justice. It's Peter Baelish that takes that word and twists it around in their minds. The confusion 
of uh, the Baelish loves to create, the chaos that he loves to swim around in. Vengeance, justice, uh, they sound a little different, but they are the same thing. Are they or are they not? But Baelish appeals to the Tyrells, appeals to the Tyrell siblings. Do you want justice? You want justice? You're interested in justice? I'm selling some justice. You guys want some justice? Versus uh, vengeance might burn off, uh, revenge, avenging. Uh, good traits if you're the man in black and the Dread Pirate Roberts there. But, uh, you know, uh, after a while it dries up and you got to get a good line of work. But Baelish knows how to turn that on its ear and sell it as justice. Whereas uh, I think Cat plays a little differently with Brienne. It is not justice. It's a vow. It's, it's, it's an oath. And that is what fuels Brienne. So I, I really love this episode beginning with that. It, and, um, the, the Marjorie stuff... Um, Marjorie stuff because she's such a great character. Natalie Dormer here, she shows up season two, and she's right in the game, and she's so good at the game. We we just see it from the from the get go with her. But this is this is kind of one of a I call it a thesis statement moment. I say it's the Marjorie quote, and that is of course the you know Do you want to be the queen? No, I want to be the queen. I think it's a it's it's I I might put it top twenty Game of Thrones quotes because of what it means for her. And one of the things I took out of this episode, and sometimes, again, these themes and lessons are my, my opinions, my interpretation of the episodes. And, but, but when you look, things keep popping up again. And there's this, this weird idea I had here of the opinion of others versus knowing who you are. And then sometimes someone like Marjorie comes along and knows, knows both and knows how to play with both. And I think because she knows who she is. Marjorie raised in a different house, a house that is a more uh, matriarchal, matriarchal house than uh, a patriarch, patriarchal house. I don't know why I can't say them tonight. Pa- matriarch, patriarch. I can say those words. Get pizza on my shirt. Uh, she is a little, she's been more empowered. She's been just kind of groomed to rule, groomed to play the game. We know from, from uh, Lady Aletta, uh, the, the Queen of Thorns. I mean, we're, we're going to spend more time with the Queen of Thorns later, but Marjorie's learned from the best, and her ambition is is up there with the best players in the game, and I think she knows how to get it. And she sees the opportunity, and she's not a cold hearted opportunist. I think there's a, an honest, true affinity she had for Renly. I think that moments there uh, at his bedside, calling him a good looking man, and and you know. Uh, talking positively about him, I think it's very real for Marjorie, but she just knows that chapter's over. That chapter's done. It's it's time to go on. And, and, and she knows the opinion of others can be valuable. It can be something that you can use for you, to your advantage if you know who you are. And a lot of people are faced with the hard truths of what people think of them and how that it can affect them and how that can drive them forward. Bran is on the hook for Renly's death. That almost drove her to her death. She would have. She she couldn't have defeated everyone. That's an opinion of other, of others. I think Bran is spends some quality time with Cat, which it's weird to think as as the character Bran begins in Renly's service, but goes on to to so many other things, but really moves forward. Under you know in service in 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 uh, making a vow, taking an oath to Catelyn Stark, but they don't spend a ton of time together, right? They're off and going by this point here, or soon soon enough. I 
but I think it's I, I think Bran gets some valuable stuff from Catelyn Stark. She is worried about the opinion of others. Again, not in a high school gossipy way, but just like they think I killed him. I didn't kill him. You know the truth. I got to get vengeance. And Kat's just kind of like, yeah, you know, but stay alive. Know who you are. That's going to be more valuable to you. Know what you want to accomplish. Purpose is big in this episode. So I see it with Brienne. Uh, I see it with Tyrion. He knows who he is, but he also is learning who he is in this game. I think this is a new chapter in Tyrion's life. Like, he's finally feeling it. I'm not just running latrines at Casterly Rock. Like, I, 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 I've I, got some power here, and I know what to do with it, and he's feeling his oats. He's got the plan for Marcella going, all that kind of good stuff. But he is out and about uh, after the, the great Lancel stuff. I do love the stuff with him and Lancel. It's kind of a fun little uh, sitcom. Uh, and, and with the Lancel, Cersei, Tyrion, backstabbing, all this, it's great stuff. But he hears from the small po- small folk, there's the guy kind of uh, preaching on the street and calls him a demon monkey lizard and, and beyond just what the opinion of Tyrion is, but it's the opinion of the small folk towards the crown and to the, those in power. Bronn says it so well, you know, Tyrion's just kind of like, yeah, I wanna, I'm here to save them. Uh, and Bronn says, yeah, I'm, you, you know, I'm not the one you have to convince. It's them. So Tyrion knows who he is. He's learning who he is. But the opinions of others start to drive him forward here. Uh, Stannis hears hard hard truths. We've been bringing up the idea of hard truths a lot in season two. Stannis and Davos have a great conversation, which one of the one of the things said in that episode, in that uh, part of the episode, uh, factors in a lot into the life and the journey of Stannis Baratheon. But uh, Stannis is hearing hard truths. He's hearing the opinions of others, the opinions of, opinions of his men. Davos lays it on the line, uh, but what they feel about the red woman whispering in his ear. And I wonder, as 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 a Stannis the Manus man that I am, Stannis makes a decision to ditch her, to leave her behind, which will prove costly, or at least she'll argue that it proves costly later on. But he makes that decision. It's... With Davos around, you, can, you get the sense that uh, Stannis is... Coming around a bit, like you're right, you're right, Davos. Let's do this. Let's conquer King's Landing the right way. But I, I, and, and analyzing it this time and looking at it this time, I think Stannis is driven a little bit by his ego, and it's part of what his fall's about. We'll come back to that in some of my favorite moments, favorite scene stuff later on. Um, Davos is really laying some hard truths. He's really plugged into it. But there's uh, that's to me another example. And we got Theon, the opinion of others versus knowing you are. This is perhaps the greatest example of it in this episode. Uh, the heartbreaking stuff with Theon, he is stuck in a world of proving yourself, which on some level I, I, I get and I can respect, and respect is big. Um, Dagmar, Clefjaw there talking about uh, they'll never respect you and you got to earn it and your titles and your names. I, I like, I've always kind of liked the Ironborns pay the iron price kind of way of life. Like uh, they're, they're a little extreme with it, but... I kind of like uh, the idea behind it. We all want to, you know, especially in this world, this Game of Thrones world, you want to learn, you want to earn it. You want to feel you've earned it. And Theon has the right idea. I don't think it's in and of itself a bad thing. He wants to prove himself, but he can't process it because it's all kind of uh, mission, m- m- you know, just kind of mishmash in his head about uh, who he is. He doesn't know who he is. Is he Stark? Is he a Greyjoy? 
Does he want to help Rob? Rob? No, he make, makes a choice to go this way. Now he goes this way. He's still not loved. He's not loved by his father. Now he gets his crew. He gets one ship, the sea bitch. His sister's got 30. She's just driving into nails into yeah, a nail into his side, just like uh, just rubbing it in, uh, salt on a, on a wound. Uh, I got 30 ships. You got one. Good luck storming the fishing villages. And it's all roaming around in his head, and he, he does not know who he is yet. He, he's going to not... I don't know if he f- really, really uh, get. Um, I, uh, I I don't know if he 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 really knows who he is until maybe his final moments. I think that's part of Theon's journey. For me, uh, that's what I take from him. But he doesn't know who he is, and he's he's buried by the opinions of others, and that's going to drive him forward to to some problems here. Uh, so again, hard truce. Knowing who you are, opinions of other Tywin, Tywin Lannister even has to worry about that, but he knows how to use it. He is smart about it. Again, it's kind of like Marjorie to me. Uh, not to, you know, not directly comparing Marjorie to Tywin, though. Again, Marjorie's a power player. I love Marjorie for what she does and what she knows and what she's capable of. Tywin is at Heron Hall. This episode is called "The Ghosts of Heron Hall." A lot of ghosts floating around, and Tywin knows who he is. He knows who the Lannisters are. He knows who uh, who he is and who the South is and what he wants to accomplish. But he can't get there. Tyrion even makes mention of it earlier. His, his dad's, ba- you know, my dad's basically getting his butt kicked is kind of what he's saying. It's got to be driving him crazy. So Tywin has the ability to face hard truths himself. He wants people to tell him the hard truths. Andres Cabrera and I have been on this channel before, on this show before, talking about how we love Tywin. We're big Tywin fans, and he's not a good guy. But if you study him, if you find the core, there's some things to take from him, some lessons. Be careful how you apply it to your life. We don't want to create a, a, a bad father monster roaming around, but Tywin is very smart. That's why I think he's such a powerful presence in this show and in the books. You kind of, I don't want to say we're rooting for him, but at the end of the Battle of Blackwater Bay, when he comes in, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Whether you're not, you like Stannis or not, you're kind of rooting for Tywin along the ways. It's because Tywin does a lot of things right. He's smart about things. The only thing he's not smart about is raising his own children. But uh, that's part of the lesson. That's part of the, what uh, is his undoing. They, there's no doubt that so many fans... Absolutely love, 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 love the Arya Stark and Tywin Lannister scenes and dialogue. It carries through most of this season. We don't get as you know, we get a ton of it, but it's it's looms large for good reason. It's show only. The Harrenhal stuff is much different in Clash of Kings. Uh, not better, not worse. It's just different. It's a totally different feel, totally different story. And I just enjoy the streamlined version here. In large part because we get these two characters playing off each other, learning from each other. I think I think our Arya takes some lessons from him. But this scene of, of the opinions of other now Tywin does not concern himself with the opinions of the sheep. This we know. But he needs to know what's out there. He needs to know. So because because I think he feels knowing who you are and and really coming to terms with that, facing the hard truth will lead you to better things. Anyways, I'm rambling on this moment. I just love it. I could I could live all day in those scenes. Arya is pretending to be a southern girl. Tywin, true to form, not falling for it. He knew who she was in terms of your girl. Uh, you're you're going to be my cupbearer. 
I still to this day believe he he doesn't know I can't he can't know she's a Stark because he would use that knowledge to his advantage, without a doubt. He would not just let that. I still kind of think Baelish, when he runs into uh, Arya at Winter at, at Harrenhal, I still kind of think I, I land on the side that he knew, and he's going to obviously use things, uh, use knowledge in a different way. So I don't think Tywin knows specifically who she is, but he he definitely knows she's something more. He's definitely impressed, curious, and 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 uses as much as he can to his advantage. Likes, I think he generally likes Arya. She makes him laugh. It's one of the only times we see Tywin break character he, he, when he talks about uh, uh, some stuff later on and, and says, uh, "You remind me of my daughter," which is which is interesting. Anyways, this stuff, this scene, she uh, she knows the truth. She gives the truth, and I think it's a powerful moment when Arya kind of stands up straight and tells tells the true story of what people think of Rob Stark. And we'll talk about it later. It's a great moment. Anyways, that's some of the stuff for me. I uh, talked about purpose. And what do you want? What do you want, Zara? What do you really want? What do you really want, Jorah? Do you just love this queen? Do you just love her and, 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 and that's it? And that fuels it? Or do you really find yourself um, admiring her uh, as a leader, as a queen, as, as someone you're going to follow? I believe so. But what do you want? And Danny actually literally asked Jorah, like, what do you want? Zaro, what do you want? And everyone, what do you want? Knowing who you are can lead to knowing what you want in Game of Thrones and perhaps in life. Hey, some depth. I also love the idea of the ghost. This is the ghost of Harrenhal. Uh, definitely an allusion to what happens with Jagged. Hey, Jagged shows, uh, show, reemerges there. I actually really love that stuff. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, but the Ghosts of Harrenhal, we kind of in story, if you're plugged into the lore, you know the history of the land. They touch upon it in the show. But, you know, you, you, if you study the map, study the world, study the books, you know even more about what it is. Um, but there's uh, the idea of the ghosts, the ghosts in Game of Thrones. It's the ghosts of history, the ghosts of tradition, the, the ghosts of how things are supposed to go. We get Samwell talking about the long night, the first men, what that was. We got the ghosts of Harrenhal. We got kind of the ghosts of the north. We got the ghosts of the south. And how much our, our characters act now is influenced by what came before. That that, And can you break that? Can you be like Corn Halfhand suggests uh, when uh, he, they meet up with him and, and he's talking about Mance. Mance is one of us. He's going to teach the wildlings to act like us. So we've got to act like them. We've got to break from the past. We've got to break the ghosts now. It's not like John eventually does in season five and breaks with what uh, the traditional view of the wildlings uh, are for, uh, for the night, Night's Watch. Of course, a little different. But uh, it, it, that's something that I think Danny touches upon too. She's, she, she doesn't quite get into the break the wheel stuff, but it's starting to form. It's starting to, to form uh, with, with Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, so the the go, like I said, the ghosts of history are our are, are theme here and a lesson here in this episode as well. Uh, not going to be here super long tonight in this episode, but uh, looking at uh, Danny and Karth, I, so I, I, I've mentioned before, I, I do love Danny and, and, and Karth. 
And I mentioned before in in um, the book Fire Cannot Kill Dragon, even even uh, Amelia Clark saying it's it's kind of a weird season for Danny. It's different. Uh, uh, Amelia herself is coming off that brain injury. This is her first season, kind of acting with that. It was a different time, different feel. And I agree, it's a different Danny. She is a Danny that is uh, still not entirely control of uh, control of her destiny. Uh, a Danny that has to be beholden to others, or at least others feel that they that she has to be beholden to them. Zaro and and uh, uh, Pri and everything going on in Carthia. It, it's 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 a different, but it's valuable lessons for Danny. It's very interesting to me that uh, towards the beginning they're at that party. Danny gets in the dress and she looks, you know, she's cleaned up. She's no longer dusty from the the red waist out there. She's um, looking more like a queen. Got a little, uh, a little more eye makeup going. She's got a different feel, different look. Even Jorah's putting on a blue ascot. They're, they're having a party. They're, they're, they're going to the hoedown there. Uh, and I love that conversation. There's a moment she talks about what her brother uh, thought of the Dothraki. And Jorah suggests, uh, you know, they're, they're good at killing, which Dan- Danny just turns to him and confidently says, that's not the type of queen I'm going to be. I'm fascinated by that. I have been... I'll be honest, part of the reason I'm doing this rewatch, this series, is to track John and to track Danny. And to really just follow it beat by beat and see where it goes. See the signposts of what was to come. And see as the show kind of uh, figured out what they want to do. I, by season three, they were locking things in. Uh, that's what the creators have said, of just uh, you know where Danny was going to go. Based on stuff they, they knew, based on stuff they were told, and just what was starting to emerge. So it's fascinating season two where maybe there was a little more room to play with Danny and her direction. And she's like, that's not the type of queen I'm going to be. A one that, you know, uses a Dothraki for killing. That's not a lie. She doesn't know it to be a lie. But look what happens later on when she hits Westeros. No, the Dothraki are the, the front of her, her army. They're doing a lot of killing because they're good at it. She is faced with that word that I think she maybe want to fight against again opinions of others and knowing who you are she hears conqueror a lot she hears a lot she hears a lot in this episode Zara just says it ah a conqueror but in talking with Jorah she's not that's not the type of queen I'm going to be and then that big speech at the end Jorah gives gives that big big speech when he when, when he's kind of confronted with what do you want and why are you here Zaro's kind of saying it. Ah, your swordsman, your, your knight, your number two guy, he loves you. Trust me, I know. Quaith shows up. She'll give, she starts to be, uh, give Jorah the truth, hard truth. But Jorah's speech, I'm, I'm fascinated by that speech at the end because it's not just, hey, I love you speech. He probably could have added that and would have seemed, it would have been natural. It wouldn't have been right, would have been appropriate, but. It, it was building towards that. You're going to be a great queen, and I love you. No, he talks about what he saw, what he believes in. And it is not that Jorah is saying stuff to Danny that she's like, that sounds great, that sounds like something I want to be. I think he's reflecting back a little bit of what she knows she could be and what she knows she is. And that's what makes him, I think, so valuable as an advisor. He messes up with her as an advisor. We've talked before when Rachel was on. We talked early on. He, he doesn't fully understand your plight. He's an older, you know, middle-aged to above middle-aged man. Uh, he doesn't fully get her story, doesn't fully get what her journey is as, as a young woman in, in this world. 
sold in a marriage, treated like property, abused, uh, someone who has to take her, her control of her own destiny. He doesn't fully understand that. He can't fully understand that. He can try to understand his best, have compassion and empathy for it, but he doesn't fully understand. So I, um, I do... I do really, I really love that speech. I believe every word. And again, I think he, I think he sees what could be true, which is why later on his, his loss is so, uh, so, uh, so, so heart wrenching, I think. So we always love looking at uh, foreshadowing and things with more meaning. Now these can be big things. This can be small things. There is uh, following Renly's death. There is the moment with Davos and Stannis. Uh, the moment I was talking about, where you know Davos gives him the hard truth, and and Stannis agrees to to not bring Melisandre to Blackwater Bay. There is a moment where Davos says, and I I I kind of I may be paraphrasing a little bit, but where, where, where Davos is just kind of saying all these things, man, you're losing yourself a little bit. You're not the man I brought the onions to. You're not that guy. You're starting to slip, and none of this will be worth it. None of it will be worth it. Stannis doesn't want to hear it. I, as a Stannis fan, don't want to hear it. I'm like, no, this will all be worth it. He's going to get on the Iron Throne. And But there it is. There is the, the lesson in the character of Stannis, and Davos sees it, and it's all true. And I love when those moments early on, you just a line is said, and that, that connects to later on, and it's like, almost as if like it was spoiled. Everything, it's not going to be worth it. And flash forward from that, you also have Bran in this episode going, let me at Stannis when I get the chance. I want to kill Stannis, knowing that's what happens, knowing where Stannis slides into it, where he is cut, bleeding, and leaning up against a tree. And Bran gets to do her duty. I think it all kind of, uh, this episode has a lot of meaning to that. I like Jon Snow asking, is it possible for a man to survive out here on his own? I think he's kind of thinking about Benjen. They're talking about Corn Halfhand, who spent an entire winter out here north of the Skirling Pass, all that kind of stuff. I, I think um, I think that's kind of directly what he's mentioned. But I just love seeing it now of like John asking, "So is it possible for could you like get an apartment out here? Uh, maybe not now. Later, later. Like after all of this, I'll walk north with my friend who I haven't even met yet, Tormund." Uh, of course, uh, you can't uh, deny the uh, the moment when they're waiting for Corn Halfhand and. Uh, Ed and Grant, and they're talking, what, they're talking about the you know the waiting for the 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 uh, the corn or the or the wildlings. You don't know, and it's one blast for friends, two for foes, and then Sam adds, and three for White Walkers. Well, it's been a thousand years, but that that's what it is. Three uh, again f- leads to what is one of my favorite endings. I can't wait to get to it when we do this rewatch, the end of season two. So this moment, you look at it, and you go, oh yeah, it's right there in front of us. Um, I. Uh, Couple things uh, too uh, that are just kind of uh, you know uh, not fun, but Dorea and her dragoness obsession. It was right there in front of us. If you're one of the ones who just didn't know, who wasn't sh- wasn't sure what happened to Danny's dragons when they get stolen, uh, you know, you go back to this moment. You're like, yeah, I can't believe I didn't suspect uh, Dorea, and uh, and she's clearly got uh, a lot a lot going on. Loves those wants a dragon pet for her own, and Daddy says, yeah, he loves you. He's got your trust. Oh, boy. And then uh, Danny, I do love Danny sending uh, Dorea to get it, get info from Zaro. Just like when men are happy, they talk. Eh. Kudos to Danny, you know? Is there some gray area there? Yeah, but you know what? It's almost as if she told Dorea, start an OnlyFans and make obscene money because people are going to give you that money and more power to you. Go forth. Go get Zaro. 
does backfire a little bit for Danny, which is why it has a little more meaning. Not for nothing, but knowing there's a lot of wildfire around and Cersei is aware and Cersei's uh, bigger plans are lingering, um, looking ahead to season six, you know, wildfire factors into that too. As I mentioned before, I loved uh, I loved Danny in uh, uh, Karth, and because of that I uh, I also love the the Quaith stuff. Quaith reveals herself in this episode, and there's a lot more to this character in the books. I get that, uh, and I love a lot of the theories, the Shira Sea Star theory. I'm all aboard that, and you know, is it Danny from the future? There's a lot of lot of stuff with Quaith, and I know a lot of complaints are that the Quaith storyline didn't go anywhere. I argue though that part of the reason I'm doing this rewatch is to go back and, and, and realize it's not a storyline. Quaith on the show is not a storyline. Quaith in the books might be a storyline. On the show, it's a lot different. It serves the story of Jorah. And I love that she just kind of often just warns Jorah of everything. And she says some of, of the prophecy stuff, some of the stuff she says even in the books, of course, you know, she gives Danny some, some key things. But wonder has returned to this world. There's a lot going on with the Piat Pri and the House of the Undying. The return of magic is the return of their powers, all that kind of stuff. And just uh, the idea of fire is power. And, and that's something that's going to uh, uh, factor in, not just uh, literally, but uh, figuratively in the show going forward. Uh, there is, um, I love the moment uh, that we got a lot of brand and dream moments. Uh, I love the quote, if you can't protect our own bannermen, how will they protect us? Uh, Brand's got the right idea, but he's learning. He's got no father figures around. He's got no mother figure around. Maester Lewin's the closest f- to a father figure. Uh, Osha's uh, the closest to a mother figure. And she's withholding information. Not quite giving him uh, the, the truth on the uh, three-eyed raven. Does she fully know? Maybe. I don't know. But she's heard. She has an idea. Uh, and um, Brand's dreams, Brand sliding into leadership, Brand realizing there might be more going on with him is is an interesting story. I think there's... I think there's much more interesting stuff going on with Bran all through the show than often he gets credit for. Um, but this is some of the some of that stuff. And yep, I know it's a little bit different. The books, the reads, uh, Jojen, they they have more of the dreams and stuff like that. I think in the show this works to again streamline it. Streamline it. Not for nothing. Uh, hard to deny. Hard to deny. Arya seeing Gendry shirtless is uh, you know harbinger of things to come. I don't know. Uh, too soon, too soon to talk about it now. Favorite moment in lines and scenes more. I mentioned before, Marjorie, I want to be the queen. I, I put that top 20 in Game of Thrones. Just one of those, you win or you die type of uh, type of, type of uh, moments. Uh, I want to be the queen. Uh, I, I mentioned before the Arya talking about Rob and her family and then that great line of, no, anyone can be killed as she stares down Tywin. And Tywin feels it. He feels it. Jagan reemergence, uh, great. This is an uh, episode that goes to Harrenhal. I think it's, uh, a lot has to do with the uh, him teaching Arya the power of death. Uh, when you can control the god of death, then maybe a little bit there. I love that Arya spends, uh, there's that look on her face at the end, like, oh my god, I said it, he did it, and look at that. Vengeance be mine. I do love Tyrion learning of the wildfire. Uh, great scene. Um, that performer, of course, who is the pyromancer, Roy uh, Do- uh, Dotris, uh, George R. R. Martin was a friend of his from the Beauty and the Beast days. I think a lot of you know the story. He was originally cast to be Picel, had to drop out for medical reasons. Uh, I think he's great in this role and has a lot of fun. I love him later on Battle Blackwater. He's great. Uh, final thought. Well, there's uh, Corn Halfhand is, is spectacular. I absolutely, uh, in the shorter, and it's really, you go, you don't spend a lot of time with Corn Halfhand, but Simon Armstrong plays him, and you just immediately, I think you, you like him, you trust him. Maybe you don't 100% like him. He's a hard hard man, but I, I do enjoy um, 
do enjoy what's there. Um, John, oh, I love the moment too. The little tiny moment uh, is Corrin staring off into the snow and the blizzard, and he sees fire. No, even Jor Mormont's like, "There's, there's a fire out there." I know, and John's just like, "Oh, there's the fire. I see it." And Corrin just kind of looks around. It's a, just a little um, interesting tale of the skills of John. Uh, I do love, uh, again, Brienne uh, talking about how she never knew her own mother, having the connection to Kat, swearing the vow. And it's a good reminder that killing Stannis was always the most important thing to her. Brienne goes on a lot. There's a lot of things that happen with Brienne and, and big growth and big moments. But uh, in watching like season five, again, recently myself, as I just do a bunch of rewatching of this show, her final moment, uh, you know, not in the show, but with, with Stannis. I was kind of, oh, yeah, that's... That's right. Back back at square square one, that's what she wanted to do. This was good to go back and kind of live with that in this episode here. Uh, final stuff to talk about in terms of uh, uh, just favorite scenes and lines. I mentioned it, but the Jorah and Danny stuff at the end, it's a lot about Jorah. It's a lot about what he might be hiding about what he wants. The burden of what he knows he's done hangs over him. Quite is, is putting that in his head as well. But I, I love uh, the line, according to your new friend who earned your trust by cutting his hand when he's tearing down Zaro. But Danny saying, this is not the queen I want to be. Danny being faced with the fact that she's a conqueror. And Jorah here is just saying, we got to get to Westeros. That is home. That's where you got to go. You need to win Westeros. You'll need allies in Westeros. Again, Jorah's not always perfect. Uh, she even points out, if I had followed your orders, you know, we might still be at the door uh, into Karth. He can't deny that, but he asked her that, you know, not ask her, but tells her just kind of make your own way, make your own way. And it's, this is a great scene in, in the building blocks of Danny. I think Karth's very important, running up against obstacles, running up against a spice trader who, who won't respect her. Uh, Zaro and feeling that she she owes something to Zaro because he sliced his hand and took the took the uh, uh, the the vow and and, and spoke for. Her. Uh, Danny's going to emerge a lot different from this season, and having people around like Jora challenging her, make your own way. Uh, it's it's interesting, and I think she does fall upon fall on that a few times. Uh, final thing was again Arya learning what Jagan can do and just just death and and uh, vengeance and what that might mean to her and how that changes with her. Episode stars uh, mentioned some of the actors like Bonanza Anozi as uh, as Zaro Zoho and Doc says, I really love, I think I think there's something compelling about him, interesting, they play him differently in the show. The character's uh, totally different uh, in a lot of ways. And again, a ver- I, I, I love the book version. He factors into more storytelling, but I really love the version on the show and it serves the story so well and it serves the the, the, the building blocks and the journey of Danny very well so that is kind of it that is a look it's a busy busy holiday season so i just wanted to spend some time with you all here uh continuing this rewatch we'll go on uh to season two episode six the old gods and the new so if you have a call about that get it in we'll also do another catch-up episode with some of the calls that have uh, come in through anchor that i've missed or haven't got to and of course more on the way casterly talk right now is on the ken Napsock youtube page that's me that's where you're watching this right now if you're listening to the podcast on anchor keep listening there uh absolutely give me a download that helps uh, but also uh, we will be moving to our own channel and very soon be part of the GPA, the Good People Association New Network. Um, 
that I'm building with Josh McCuga, Mark Riley, and Eric Bass of the band Shine Down. You can go to Good People GPA to check out more of that. Go to my website, catnapsuck.com, or follow me at catnapsuck. And thank you so much for being here to uh, continue to watch and rewatch and learn all, all, all about, all over again, the show we love, Game of Thrones. All right, uh, we'll see you next week, friends. Bye.